Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The ballroom is silent as a thunderstorm rages outside. In the darkened room, two figures stand across from each other, staring daggers that would pierce the night. Lightning strikes again, casting a brief light on the face of Ra's al Ghul as he says, I know why you must be here, stranger. Do you really think that you'll be the one to bring me down? Lightning strikes again, bringing light to the face of Elektra. I don't need to think it. It will simply be the last thing you figure out. The room goes dark one last time, but the next time lightning strikes, no figures can be seen. It's the League of Assassins versus The Hand. It's the Demon's Head versus Perfect Death. It's Race Al Ghul versus Elektra today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey. As always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Today's battle is my favorite type of Who Would Win showdown, where we get to make the ideal Marvel versus DC matchup. The entire Who Would Win production team knows I go crazy for these types of battles. In one corner, you have the Assassin Electra, Daredevil's love interest, opponent, and somehow back to love interest, versus Raish Al Ghul, who Batman refers to as his most dangerous opponent. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and this matchup has been hotly debated for years. Oh yeah, it's that obvious. But as usual, here's the thing, just because it's been debated for years, it's actually never come to a sure conclusion until today, that is. Ray, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I, as always, am fired up for this matchup. I don't usually like to lean into the matchups where a lot of people have been talking about it. You know me. I like to do the matchups that nobody's considered before. You know, Apocalypse versus Freakazoid, for example. But then there's James Gavsey, who loves Marvel versus DC. If we could just do Marvel versus DC every single week, James would never complain a second. But... Thankfully, we don't actually do that. Either way, I like what we're doing here. I like assassin versus leader of other assassins. It just makes sense when you break it down. This matchup does make a whole lot of sense. And Ray, you're not wrong. I am a Marvel versus DC matchup fanatic. That's what I love. But also our other matchups are really cool, too. Now. With all that being said, we're going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit uh, for the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base. Ray, uh, Electra was not our first opponent we had in mind for Rachel Ghoul. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pull this curtain back. Uh, originally, this battle was going to be Rachel Ghoul versus uh, Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, Would have been an absolutely incredible matchup and one that I was very excited for, but. 
the strikes are going on. We have the uh, uh, we have the WGA strike. We have the SAG after strike. And one thing that's very important to the people in the striking community is that you're not promoting newer media that is currently going on out there. And the entire reason for having Ethan Hunt on the show was to tie into the new Mission Impossible movie, but it felt a little skeevy. It felt a little bad doing that when we're so close here in Los Angeles to lots of writers and actors. And so in the 11th hour, we made the decision to change the battle. We'll save Ethan Hunt for a later time after either the movie's well behind us or hopefully sooner, the strikes are all dealt with and everybody's happy again. Uh, it just didn't feel right to use Ethan Hunt in a battle, given those circumstances. Look, this is one thing I'm going to absolutely agree with, with uh, Ray Canis for one time. Uh, you know, it's important to support the writers and the actors uh, who have uh, unfortunately not been treated fairly for decades in this whole system. And we're it's not, it's not that we're trying to get on this soapbox and, and do this. But listen, you know, certain things change in the entertainment industry. Like, you know, a lot of executives have these deals that get progressively, progressively you know, better. Good for them. That's awesome. But you know what? The people who bring you to the show, literally the actors, the writers, yeah, they, they got to keep up, too. They got bills to pay. Treat them fairly. Give them their residuals. Do what's right. Uh, talking about things that we support 100%, it's time to introduce our guest judge. Making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's the preeminent Beetlejuice of our time, at least on Cameo. It's one of the greatest illustrators and artists ever. It's Jordan Monzel. Jordan, welcome to Who Would Win. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here. You know, you're you're very familiar with Ray Sicanus. I apologize for that in advance. But, um, <laughs> you know, you do a lot. We were talking before the show, and you are involved with a lot of great stuff, and you do a lot of great stuff. So before we kind of get in this episode, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. The past couple of weeks, I've been preparing for uh, Midsummer Scream, which is a, a big Halloween and horror convention that happens every year in Long Beach at the convention center. Uh, so that happens uh, this weekend, the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Uh, so I'll have a booth there uh, selling my artwork, um, some original paintings and some prints, uh, poster prints and uh, silhouettes. And then, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I do Beetlejuice on Cameo for, for people that are you know looking for a greeting, a birthday greeting, what have you. Yeah, and then some voiceover here and there. And sometimes I, I get a request, and it's so strange. Most recently, this guy thought that well, he was a, he, I, I did the video for him, and I sent it to him, and he gave me a one-star review. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, you're not Beetlejuice. Uh, I, I wanted the Beetlejuice from the, the Howard Stern show. Oh, geez. I said... Uh, I said, uh, well, uh, can't you see in the pictures? I'm, I'm a white dude. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm also 5'11". And the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Beetlejuice also predated the, the first, I think right. his name is Le Lester Green, right? I think he, he was, his first appearance on the Howard Stern show was in the 90s. So uh, it was just so strange that like he would, would think that when, when you go to my cameo profile, it, it's just pictures of me and videos of me as Beetlejuice. Just well, when I was worried that people uh, started, we're going to start paying attention. Thankfully, that has not happened. Uh, the one thing I want to talk about here is your silhouette art, uh, which is what I first knew you for. Uh, what brought you towards silhouette art, and uh, how did you sort of get into that world? Yeah, it was around 2012. My mom came out for a visit. Uh, she lives on the East Coast, and she said, oh, I think you should. I think you should learn how to do this. So my mom started cutting silhouettes when I was a little kid. And uh, I had, uh, to be honest with you, I never really expressed interest in it. She wanted me to teach her how to do caricatures because I, I had been drawing caricatures at fairs and festivals since I was 14. 
And so my mom and I do these events on, on both coasts. So my mom said, well, why don't you teach me how to, how to draw caricatures and I'll teach you how to do silhouettes. That way we can both offer both services, you know, for, for parties and events. And so that's what happened. And so, so now she does both caricatures and silhouettes and, and I do the same. And, uh, so yeah, so I've been, I've been cutting them for the, for the last, what is it? Uh, 13 years now. Now, with all that being said, speaking of interest, we got to get to this crazy cool battle. So Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DC comics, the villain who doesn't do any one thing at the highest level, but what he does have are a very particular set of skills. Ross Al Ghul. Ray Salgul, I never know. And representing Marvel Comics, the assassin who does not belong to you, Electra Nachos. Really? I went there. You're like, okay. All right. Well done, Ray. I'm contractually obligated to say that. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Okay, Ray, there's been some really interesting versions of Elektra in the uh, so-called multiverse. What version are you coming with that, uh, you know, today for this fight? Comic book, keep going. All right, very cool. I will mirror that and use the, I was actually thinking about Because I using, know you will. No, I was actually thinking about using the animated version from uh, the Batman, the animated series from the 90s, because Ra's al Ghul in that series is absolutely insane and lives super long. But I'm actually going to go with the comic book version, because that's a thing. All right, rule number four. Debaters will use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or establish logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need... Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring... You can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our opponents. Ray, please give us the details for Electra. Electra Nachios is an assassin who primarily worked with and fought against the ninja clan known as the Hand. She was created by Frank Miller and first appeared in Daredevil number 168 back in 1981. Growing up with a tumultuous childhood brought on in part by the loss of her mother when she was very young, Electra came to the USA when her father was ambassador from Greece. There, she attended college at Columbia where she met and dated fellow student Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. After losing her father in violent fashion, Electra left the U.S. where she trained to fight, joining up with, of course, The Hand. Electra is now a master martial artist and assassin and a true terror to whoever is next on her hit list. Fun fact, in one of her original storylines, Electra was impaled and killed with her own sigh by a character named Bullseye. A plan was hatched to bring her back to life by the hand in a ritual that would make her forever loyal to that organization. Daredevil stopped this from happening and tried to bring her back himself, but, you know, come on, that wasn't going to happen. And that is how writer Frank Miller wanted it to be. Electra stays dead forever, and he even worked out a deal to keep that from uh, happening, from her coming back ever happening. But of course, that's not what happened, and she was brought back over a decade later. But it's not from lack of trying to keep her dead. That is Electra. That's sad. Such a great character. That uh, Maybe a year. Maybe a year. Bring her back I mean, it's sooner. comic books. Everybody comes back to life all the time. Isn't that what they said about Jason Todd, uh, the Robin who died? Uh, no, everybody comes back with the one exception of Jason Todd. And I guess you have to add Elektra to that, except both, of course, ended up coming back. Of course. They're great characters. It's a smart thing to do. All right. Now, here are the details for Rachel Ghoul. Rachel Ghoul was created by editor Julia Schwartz, writer Dennis O'Neill, and artist Neil Adams, and he first appeared in Batman 232, entitled Daughter of the Demon, back in June of 1971. Rachel Ghoul is a supervillain and enemy of Batman. He's a former healer who eventually took an unfavorable stance on humanity and, as a result, took on the name that literally translates to Head of the Demon. Transforming himself into a radical international eco-terrorist, Rachel Ghoul believes that the ev evils of humanity are a blight upon the planet and seeks to eliminate them through any means necessary. And if that wasn't enough, he's also the leader of the League of Assassins, a shadowy group that seeks to cleanse the world of corruption and achieve perfect environmental balance. Balance. That's crazy. With his exact age unknown, it is certain, however, that thanks to the Lazarus Pit, he has been around for hundreds of years, giving him an unmeasurable amount of knowledge and resources. And here's an interesting fact about Rachel Ghoul. Did you know that his name is actually made of words from two separate languages? It's true. Although that many people think Rachel Ghoul is 100% Arabic, it's actually got the pronunciation of a different language. Rachel Ghoul is indeed Arabic. However, the pronunciation of Raish as Raish and not Raz is from Hebrew. That was a decision the creators made long ago. So Reish al Ghul is the Hebrew way of saying the Arabic name. And now you have the facts on both opponents. It's Reish al Ghul is what I'm saying. Jordan, do you have any questions before we get started? Uh, no, uh, sounds good. Uh, this is going to be a great fight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with both characters, but uh, not a lot. 
You, you're about to get a crazy education in both. I can just tell. All right, Ray Canis, go ahead and answer your point number one. I mean, first off, I just want to say that uh, I feel a little called out by James's fun fact. I don't. Obviously, <laughs> you must have known I was going to say it ten different ways. Anyway, <laughs> so here's the deal. Point number one for Electra. Let's talk about her mad skills with a Z, as they would have said in the 1990s. Now, Electra always won first place in martial arts tournaments, even as a kid. So she has been training in martial arts, although maybe not as an assassin, maybe just in the, the, the art form, if you will, for a very, very long time. She's a very physical character, and she has never not finished first place in any martial arts tournament that she's ever been in. Kind of a big deal. Even as a young age, she was kicking all of the butts. Now, she is an expert in ninjutsu, as well as various other martial arts forms, uh, as well as gymnastics, which explains some of her crazy moves, the way that she's able to jump and spin, fly through the air, take advantage of her environment. It's because she is a fantastic gymnast on top of being a fantastic ninja. She also has great knowledge of the body. She knows about nerve points. She knows to strike people in certain places in certain ways, which causes their bodies to, you know, go dead, causes the arm to stop working, for example. This is something that worked on Wolverine. Wolverine character known for having a great uh, 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 healing factor, of course. And if you can hit somebody in a nerve point who has a healing factor and it still works... That says a lot about your precision with those particular techniques. So when she is in a battle, she knows exactly where to hit you to get done what she needs to get done. In fact, a character we all know and love, the Punisher. The Punisher known for being a pretty great fighter, pretty violent, guy who goes there, guy who's been around the block. Punisher fought alongside of Elektra at one point, and he admitted afterwards that he felt completely lost when fighting alongside of her because she was levels way above what he was even uh, knowledgeable about. And if you're surprising the Punisher with how good you are, I'm just going to say it out loud. That doesn't happen. Uh, shout out to Gutting the Sacred Cow. Another great show. It's just not something that you ever see. The Punisher, one, never is outclassed like that, and two, never admits it. In fact, Elektra was standing in front of the Punisher, and she stole a like rifle out of his hands while he was looking at her. That's how fast, that's how skilled she is. She just grabbed it out of his hands and then showed it to him, and he was like, oh crap, I don't have it anymore. But she's also very, very good at blind fighting. She doesn't even need to see to kill her opponents. She can actually see in the dark in later iterations. So if she can get this place with all the lights out, race is going to be in trouble. That's all I'm trying to say. And she kills at the highest levels because her, her job is assassin. So it's a good thing that race Al Ghul has been fighting Batman all these years. Batman won't kill him, but Elektra will. And that makes a huge difference in how you do things. She, I've seen her wreck a dude with an ashtray and like rip out his throat with it. She's used ice shards to kill ninjas, like stabbing them with the ice. She of course can throw her sigh uh, through a person and once shot a crossbow from a moving amusement park ride that was shaped like a rocket, goes in circles, you know what I mean. And she took a dude out shooting a crossbow from that ride. And that guy, I think, was on another ride. Unbelievable. She's a master shot with firearms. And the big thing I want to end this with, she doesn't just kill one person. She takes out teams of people. She takes out clans of ninjas. She doesn't just show up to fight one person and then have trouble. No, she took out the entire hand 
Uh, at one point, it was six assassins, the leader of the hand, and all of his guard. 11 people in total. And all we saw was bodies afterwards. She took them all out. Kingpin, who eventually did hire her, sent four master assassins to ambush her as a test. She killed all four of them. And then one of them dropped a note that said, hey, Electra, if you're reading this, it means you killed all my assassins. Can I give you a job? That's unbelievable. She killed four soldiers while near death in a death-like state and her hands were bound at the time and the soldiers tried to go even further and she took them all out. Again, all we saw were bodies. And with Wolverine, she killed like over a hundred ninjas from the hand. It was just wave after wave after wave of ninjas. And her and Wolverine killed every single one of them, cutting off limbs, knocking off heads, doing whatever they needed to do. And Wolverine at the end was like, wow, you're amazing. And that's the point. When it comes to ninja stuff, nobody, including Ra's al Ghul, does it like Elektra does it. And that's my point number one. You're right. Rachel Gould does not do it like Electra does. He just does it much, much better and has been doing it much better for hundreds of years. Now, let me kind of give a little bit of a pushback on this. Look, Electra is an incredible character. Actually, a really fun read. Whenever she's in any storyline, I highly recommend it. But with that being said, I, I was also reading her bio and listen, as an MMA person, I've been doing martial arts for you know decades, whatever. It's all that fun stuff. Whenever you read a line of, and she won a lot of tournaments in different styles. I can't count that whatsoever. Has she got experience in different styles? Sure. You win a tournament, you get a medal or a trophy. Anyone who's in the fight game, it really, if you're doing different, it doesn't really translate to ultimate combat. Take the best grappler in the world, you know, jujitsu guy, whatever, or submission grappling person, put him into an actual MMA fight, and things are very, very different. Now, hold that- on a second, James Gavsey, because I've seen the documentary Cobra Kai, and I have seen Johnny Lawrence... And I have seen Daniel LaRusso, both tournament champions, wreck fools in the streets. Is this really a statement you're going to stand by? I absolutely will stand by that because here's the deal. If you can wreck people in the streets, you'll destroy people in the tournament. But if you've wrecked people in the tournament, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll wreck them in the streets. Just keep it that. How many tournaments did Miyagi win? Zero. But he was the ultimate badass, possibly in all of fighting cinema. And that's just how it is. Look, on top of all of this, you know, the Punisher's awesome, but there's certain areas where he's just not the best. In terms of a hand-to-hand combatant fighter, he's great, but he's not even close to being the elite league where Elektra is. Remember, Punisher got one-shotted by Batman. Just one punch got taken out completely, so that's where it is. All right, now let me kind of talk about Rachel Ghoul. And on a side note, Ray, the reason why I really had that fun fact about Rachel Ghoul wasn't for your sake. is because of how many people over all the decades that I've known have mispronounced that name. It's Rachel Ghoul. Sorry, Christopher Nolan. It's Rachel Ghoul. That's how it was. That's how it's supposed to be. All right, point number one. Let's talk about the last. Pit and what's actually given to Rachel Ghoul. Now, Rachel Ghoul, by the way, he's beyond a genius in many fields. He's a scientific genius. He's a genius in the field of mysticism, which helped him to discover and improve the Lazarus Pit. Now, the Lazarus Pit was first used for the purpose of curing a prince who was on his deathbed hundreds of years ago. And then since then, he's modified it, enhanced it even further. And he, it's kind of made him somewhat of an immortal being because if anything ever happens to him, if he needs to regenerate, he's getting a little bit older, he jumps in the Lazarus Pit. He jumps in the Lazarus pit, 
comes out and he's as good as no as new. He's currently around 753 years old, just to put this all in perspective. Now, the Lazarus Pit, which is really cool, has given him enhanced physicals. I wouldn't say he's superhuman, but he's not far from some base level Captain America physicals in certain areas. So he has increased strength. We saw this when he used a sword to cut a man in half at the waist. And he did this, but the sword was kind of drawn. He just backhanded someone casually and cut through this person through his waist, cut him in two. That is crazy strong. He did that with a one-handed shot. He's so strong that he knocked out this character called Azrael, someone who replaced Batman for a while. One shot at Azrael with just one punch. His grip strength is insane. It's so strong that when he grabbed Nightwing's wrist and added pressure, the pain was so great, it dropped Nightwing to his knees where he was completely under racist control and couldn't even stand back up. He stayed on his knees because it was just so painful. He's got enhanced durability where he's able to tank punches from an amped up Bane. His speed was also enhanced where he's able to dodge gunfire. He blocks batarangs thrown by Batman with his sword. Can you get out of the way? Sure. He just likes to add some cool flair to it. And he even outdueled Wonder Woman using some speed. That's crazy. Also, he's so fast that he can evenly match up with Batman in a fight. That's kind of like the upper echelon if we're talking about it. He's also got enhanced vision. Now, one time Batman tried to sneak up on him from a distance and used these night vision binoculars to find him in the distance. And all he saw was Ra's al Ghul smiling while looking right back at him from that distance. That's crazy. On top of all that, the Lazarus Pit extended his lifespan. That got Ra's al Ghul, you know, it kind of made him the genius of geniuses. That's kind of what happens when you live for 700 years or so and you apply yourself. He's got insane amounts of knowledge. Look, does he have some advanced tech, like real technological stuff? Sure. But he really prefers to focus his knowledge on human anatomy, medicines, poisons, and toxins, you know, fun stuff. He is literally unparalleled in those areas of science in the DC universe. That's why he was able to create plagues that decimated huge parts of the world's population in the past. This is what led to Gotham getting devastated by a plague that nearly killed everyone in the city. You know what else he did? Talking about powerful minds, he developed powerful defenses to telepathy and telepathic attacks because that's what you do when you can meditate meditate and do mind-building exercise on a consistent basis for over 700 years. Can you imagine the TED Talk from Rachel Ghoul? He's like, check this out. After 100 years, I started doing this telepathy or anti-telepathy thing. Absolutely insane. He has that perfect memory. I think it's called eidetic memory. He remembers everything, can pull anything from his mind the moment he needs it. And that also applies to his fighting experience, all 700 years of it. He's got such a great memory that he actually taught memory tricks to Batman to help him improve his memory in order for him to recall all this kind of fighting experience he has as well. Now, there's a reason Batman calls Ra's al Ghul his most dangerous opponent and not the Joker, which we will definitely get to my next two points. But all of that so far is my point number one. It's very, very interesting that you opened up with those points because you were talking for a little while there about an amped up version of uh, Ra's al Ghul. And then you mentioned a bunch of stuff that Elektra does at her base form. So if, if Ra's al Ghul at his amped version equals her at her base, he's going to be in a lot of trouble in this battle. And you mentioned Nightwing. Oh man, he beat Nightwing. He beat a Robin. But you also didn't mention that that particular Robin, Nightwing, has also defeated Ra's al Ghul, as had Red Hood. Is there a Robin, honestly, that hasn't defeated Ra's al Ghul? I'd like to meet him, because it sure feels like he has trouble with sidekicks when you get him in one-on-one competition. First of all, it's Ra's al Ghul. We've already been over this. Secondly, I'm going to say it right, and I am trying. I know. You know, the, the second thing is, look, and, and I hate to even bring up, and I don't want to bring up how Elektra has been killed and absolutely wrecked so many different times. Look, these both these characters have decades of history. They're going to have writers that kind of show them at their peak doing crazy stuff and show them getting wrecked as well. That's just a thing we've got to deal with. But don't worry, this will all become very clear very, very soon in my next two points. With that being said, Jordan, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Ooh, it's close. It's close. I do have some questions, though. I, it, from what I can remember 
from the animated series, Batman the Animated Series, doesn't the Lazarus Pit also have side effects? Well, the side effects are temporary. That's actually a good call. So the temp, the you know, come back kind of in a crazed, uh, almost psychotic, absolutely insane kind of. And it doesn't happen for everyone all the time in the comic books, like it did right. in the animated series. But yeah, and that is a very temporary thing that is now actually not always a thing in the uh, six ones or the uh, current DC universe. I'll say, but, and we're not but, we're not assuming that he's fresh out of the Lazarus pit in this battle. I I, I assume that we're not going in that direction. Well, I think that's a that's a question that we should answer. Is uh, is that where Electra stumbles across him? He's just getting out of the tub. Ultimately, as the up. judge, that's your decision to make. Oh, I, I don't think that's the right decision, but that's for you. Well, you mentioned a ballroom in the beginning, yes? Purely for flavor text. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I mean, if, if he's just coming out and he's a little bit uh, nutty, w- wouldn't that affect his, his fighting style? Like, don't, don't fight angry. Don't fight angry. And that, that's not a, actually, if you recall from the animated series, they're actually way better fighters, like in terms of a one-on-one like, craze, at least at first. But uh, here's the deal. I got to agree with Ray on this one, even though it makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. This is not him emerging from the Lazarus pit. You know, this is him. Maybe it's, I don't know, a week later or, okay. you know, something like, so it's both. And we got to kind of consider both these people. They don't know they're about to get in the fight. They have no prior knowledge. They're not ready for it. It's a neutral location, and that location doesn't favor nor take away from either opponent. Understood. Jordan, you're, 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 thinking, you're saying it's close. We've been here before. Yep. And we have a judge who's insanely knowledgeable, even though he says he's not on both characters. I can already tell. Ray, let's go do this. Here's your point number two. Point number two for Electra. Now, we talked a little bit about her mastery and skill. Let's talk about her physical prowess as well. Because Electra was an Olympic-level gymnast at the age of 15. I know that a lot of Olympic gymnasts tend to be young, but 15 to me seems a crazy time to be hitting Olympic level. And so she's very strong, agile. She has a lot of core strength is what I'm trying to say through that. And let's talk for a moment about her gear. She has the size. Everybody knows that she's got those Raphael from the Ninja Turtles uh, size. And what people don't really understand about them is one, yes, they're excellent against swords. They're entirely there to disarm people who attack you with a sword. What does Ra's al Ghul use best? A sword, which means that she's going to be ready for whatever the heck he does sword-wise. She's going to disarm him quickly and he will be at a disadvantage. But those sides are incredible. I couldn't believe it. She has stabbed Red Hulk. Red Hulk. She has pierced with the size before. That is absolutely incredible. Red Hulk himself could not believe it and assumed that there was some sort of extra magical properties going on with the size because that shouldn't be what happens, but it did. Her size are also booby-trapped. If somebody other than her tries to use them, for example, she drops them Ra's al Ghul uh, tries to pick them up and use them. They're going to blow up in his face. That is a good surprise that you know she could take advantage of. But she also uses uh, nerve gas. She uses caltrops, a throwing star, shuriken. And she can absolutely find weapons out of nowhere and then keeps it coming at a high rate of speed. She also has great mental abilities as well in that she has control over her own body, right? She is somebody who uh, can keep fighting through the pain. She has the ability to uh, dampen down the pain that she feels. And so therefore that even if she gets hurt, and this has happened a lot of times, she's been in a lot of battles against some powerful people. She can keep fighting through the pain. And yes, that does mean that she can focus her chi in order to kill poisons, control her heartbeat, bleeding, and all of the above. Now, examples of her great durability. 
She took two blasts to the face from a super scroll who was aping Cyclops' power. If you take two Cyclops blasts to the face, you're not supposed to get up afterwards. Ask Master Chief that. Also, she once got her skull shattered, absolutely destroyed. They had to rebuild her skull from scratch, essentially, afterwards to keep her alive. But that didn't stop her from keep fighting and finishing that battle. And, of course, she fell from a building, the roof of a building, with no problem at all. She got up and kept fighting, no problem. She's also exceptionally fast. Wolverine cannot believe how fast she is. Let me say that again. Wolverine cannot believe how fast Elektra is and has trouble keeping up with her. That is saying something. Of course, she's once used sharp objects and uh, swords and whatnot to cut bullets in half in midair that were coming towards her. She's also deflected like a million machine gun bullets using her sigh, a pistol, blades, whatever she has nearby. She cannot get hit by bullets nearly as I could tell. She once took out five guys who had their guns drawn on her before any single one of them could pull the trigger. She's moving at a speed that Ra's al Ghul is not ready for. My favorite thing that she did, though, she dodged a bullet and was tasked with moving faster than the eye could comprehend while underwater. <laughs> she was underwater and was able to move so fast people could not comprehend her speed crazy she's also last point strong shockingly strong for being a smaller person she knocks down entire brick walls with punches and kicks one shot levels a brick wall like she's the kool-aid man she once ripped out a man's heart she just reached in like temple of doom and yanked his heart out of his chest my favorite moment she threw one of her size into a gun of a thug into the barrel of the gun with her pinpoint precision but she did it with such force that it ripped the man's hand off and knocked the hand through his chest and out the other side that's unbelievable but i saw it happen and of course she pulled my favorite move that of uhf star gandhi 2 she punches through ninja's chests and her hand goes through the other side out the back only seen in Weird Al Yankovic movies and the pages of Elektra comics. She is the total package. She has much better strength, speed, durability than Ra's al Ghul has ever shown. And that's my point number two. How do I say this politely? Absolutely incorrect. Let me push back on a few things. Now, first of all, I do like the fact that she was gymnast. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for gymnasts. Their strength is amazing. Their core strength is great. Unfortunately, her core strength needed a little bit of work when Bullseye uh, stole her size and double stabbed her in the gut with them, thereby killing her that unfortunate one time. Just might need to do a little bit more abs for that to really be effective. Now, the size, this is really good. Again, I'm not just an MMA guy. I'm actually a martial arts weapons nut. A nut. And I'll just put it that way. So when you have size, they are great weapons against swords. If they are Japanese-style swords, a katana, or even a ninjutsu-style shorter sword, and if you're using Japanese styles of fighting, like kenjutsu or yado, the art of drawing the sword, or kendo, a battlefield style of sword fighting, that's not what the case is here. See, Rachel Ghul uses a sword, but in a very different style and a very different type of sword. I think it's like a European broadsword of some type or a, a cutlass, if you will. It's not going to be good because it's a style versus style thing. Size are great against swords. 
swords if it's a very specific type of sword and a very specific style of fighting. And then finally, on top of all that, Raish also has insane defenses against toxins and poisons. Why? Because he makes them. He's been making them for 700 years, the type that take out continents, possibly the world. He's got defenses he's developed for his own body for that. Try that on him. He'll laugh at you and be like, wow, that is adorable. Now, let me get to my point number two. And for my point number two, let's just talk about, you know, what he can do overall. So what do you get with over 700 years of experience? Let's just discuss that for a second. So on top of being the wealthiest person in the world, which is a fun fact, Rachel Gould has spent his time pushing the limits in certain really cool key areas. In terms of fighting, Rachel Gould, you can't call him a fighting master. You just can't. You know why? It's because he's the one who taught the fighting masters. He's an expert in every discipline you can think of and many more that you can. For example, you know that he's one of the few masters of a style called, and I'm going to try to pronounce this properly, Driti Shastra, which was developed by Vandal Savage, is that 50,000-year-old immortal being. And this style is so complex that it literally takes lifetimes to learn it. And he's so good at fighting that he actually learned that. He's so good at fighting, he knocked out an opponent who had just been revived by the Lazarus Pit. And this person's going nuts and crazy, being a danger everyone around him. And Rachel just walks up to him casually and does a really cool gentle pinch to his neck. I guess it was a nerve shot. And this put this guy out for 24 hours because he knows the body so well. It's kind of like Dim Mac, you know, the touch of death. He knows where to hit you at what time of day to create whatever result he wants. If he wants you out for 24 hours, that's what he's going to get. If he wants you dead, he's getting that as well. He has mastered human anatomy and the way it's be able to be destroyed and manipulated to no one's business. It's absolutely crazy. He studied medicine for over four freaking centuries. I already mentioned this. He's developed actually some miracle cures, the Lazarus Pit, and also created some crazy viruses and plagues that put the Black Plague to shame. Oh, and by the way, he invented the Black Plague and he released it in Europe because that's what he does. He's a master tactician and strategist. He started the Napoleonic Wars, even planned and put into motion the events that caused World War I in the DC Universe, and he can take all of that knowledge and apply it to his fighting style right then and there. And if that was enough, do you know that he carries a paralytic toxin on him at all times? Yeah, he developed it over 300 years ago, evidently from, I guess, was an extinct cousin of the poppy flower. That's a thing. And he knows how to inflict it on people without them even knowing it. So it's a paralytic, which means it doesn't matter how good your resistance is to poisons or whatever, it's going to attack something else in your body that just makes you immobile. Now, how does he know all of this? Because he's one of the greatest masters of deception in terms of being able to plant poisons on you. He can deceive someone completely in the moment. This includes sleight of hand, getting someone to focus on something that gets them to miss him, doing what he's really going after. He can hit someone with that paralytic toxin without them knowing it. It's something he's mastered and done many times. And even though he's one of the best swordsmen ever in the history of the DC Universe and has taught many sword masters throughout history, he can use any weapon you can think of, whether it's bladed weapons, firearms, throwing weapons. He's done it all. He's mastered it all. 700 freaking years. Oh, but there's more. He's a master, just not with throwing weapons, knives. He's superhumanly accurate. He's a master of escapology, alchemy, firearms, one-on-one battles. Plus, after 700 years, I mentioned 700 years, after 700 years of this type of experience, he's seen it all and done it all when it comes to one-on-one fighting, which leads me to where he also excels. This is cool. See, Rachel Ghoul is also a master of the occult. And although he's not the level of Doctor Strange, not going to lie, he's really, really well-versed in the areas of magic and mysticism, which means he can fight it and counter it, but also use it. This is where things get fun. See, Rachel Ghoul can use magical spells. His mother, who's also a magic user, had a book of spells. Rachel went ahead and studied it because that's what he, do- he does. He got so good at it that he was able 
able to bind the soul of a demon to a remote island. He was even taught by Satara, Zatanna's dad, to invoke magic by speaking backwards. He got so good at this, he was able to erase some memories in Batman's mind on a number of different occasions. That's crazy. But there's two other things where he can do, do with magic. He has the power of necromancy. He can summon the dead. On one occasion, he resurrected and summoned Solomon Grundy, and evidently, he can resurrect whatever's dead around him and summon it, regardless if it's an animal or person. That's fun. And he has the power of mystical power absorption. Now, this is not something he can do to Superman, but if it's a power of a supernatural or mystical thing in nature, he can absorb it and make his own magic more powerful. Have fun with all of that, Electra, because you won't. That's my point number two. Boy, you must be getting desperate to be hitting that well at point number two. You're talking about he created the Black Plague. Do we think he's like the Witcher walking around with a whole bunch of potions? Because I've never seen that before. I'm glad that he has this skill that will not affect this battle at all. And his magic. He doesn't tend to use magic in combat, does he, James? He rarely has used magic. Usually it's to set up a plot point for later on in the story. It's something he needs time to set up to make a series of events happen. He is just pulling out as DD fans would call cantrips in the middle of a battle no and you brought up bullseye it's an important question now bullseye was able to kill electra once yes that is true nobody believed it though frank miller just decided that electra needed to die and story-wise it made sense for bullseye to do it but comics purists all complained because there's no chance Bullseye would ever get that win over Elektra. And since Elektra's come back, she hands his butt to him repeatedly because she remembers this improbable moment from her past. Now, Ra's al Ghul is excellent, uh, but let's face it, Green Arrow has also beaten him. Do you think Green Arrow in an encounter like this would ever defeat Elektra? Not convinced that that is the case. Even though he is very, very good, he's a lesser Batman, still got the win over Ra's al Ghul, and being around for 700 years, you pointed at that a lot. It doesn't really matter in certain aspects, you know? He's fighting the same people for 700 years, people that he himself trained. How much better is he really going to be? If you think being around helps you get instantly better at everything, ask a boomer to set up your internet. Ray, are you actually saying that the green the green arrow from the Arrow TV series is the one you're bringing into this against with a win he had from the TV series against Rachel Ghoul? Is that what you're saying? Something that has nothing uh, to do with the battle we're talking about? It has absolutely happened in comic books as well. You can hate it, but you got to respect it. I hate that as much as how, you know, Rachel Ghoul has beaten all the sidekicks that evidently uh, took him out as well. All right. I listen. didn't even mention Damian Wayne. The child Robin has beaten Rachel Ghoul. What are we doing here? It's his grandson. You think he's going to be like, oh, I'm his grandpa. Do I really kick his ass? Uh, nah, let's let him feel good yes, about himself. Yes, he absolutely would. Stop it. Here's it. Well, talking about my grandpa and we are at the turning point where after hearing oh. two points from ray and myself jordan tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win but before we get to what jordan has to say let's celebrate the hoodwin patron of the week every week we choose one of our amazing members of the hoodwin shows patreon community and put them in a battle ray which patron do we have today today we're going with our longest standing fans uh, we're picking one of them at total random who am i kidding it's ken bjorn turner it's your day back in the spotlight Let's see what happens. Oh, wow. Okay, we have a living, breathing Viking who's in the battle today. Okay, you know what? Let's see how a Viking does with going up against an opponent with a little bit of finesse. Let's have him go up against Jason Bourne. 
Jason Bourne. Now, this is a very popular. He's going to be on the show sooner rather than later, I think. But Jason Bourne, a.k.a. Matt Damon, is a great martial artist. You know, he has a lot of Riddick-like properties in that he's one of the best improvisers and using the environment around him of anybody in fiction. I would make that call. He's that good. Now, I'm just preparing it for a future battle when I rep that. Jason Bourne fellow. The point I'm trying to make here is that Ken Bjorn Turner is going to try to use his strength. And Jason Bourne is going to start, like, taking doors and slamming it in Ken's head. And he's going to start picking up pencils and stabbing Ken in the chest. And he's going to start picking up, like, ashtrays, cups. And he's going to start slamming them everywhere. Ken's going through a glass table at some point, and he's going to be down. And Jason Bourne is going to kind of kick him a little bit from a distance. He's going to grab a mirror, and he's going to go check to see if Bjorn is still breathing. And that's when Bjorn reaches up, grabs him by the neck, and then choke slams him off the balcony, wins through battlefield removal because nobody's wanting to come back from that. Bjorn, you got this win, but you took a lot of damage along the way. This is so, I don't know, familiar as if I've seen this in an actual episode of some type of epic medieval type of show that took place years ago. But it doesn't matter because a win's a win. Great job. Win's a win. Bjorn the Viking, you are absolutely fantastic. Ken Bjorn the Viking, however you say You're the Viking. I'm just going to call you the Viking. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Jordan, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? So at this point, and you have both have made very good points thus far, but I have to say that Electra is slightly ahead in this fight because of a good point that uh that ray you made which is you don't get good fighting your own pupils you get good at anything whether it be tennis or you know one-on-one combat by fighting people that are better than you and so uh, how many people has rachel ghoul come across that were better than him besides batman but I did have some questions. So are, are the you mentioned that that her size once pierced Red Hulk. Now, are they made of adamantium? Like, how is that possible? They're not. It's crazy. Red Hulk said, oh, these must have been made of adamantium, literally in the comics. And she's like, no, I'm just that good with them. Huh. Okay. Now, and is this version of Electra the resurrected version? And um, I believe that this particular version who stabbed Red Hulk is after she came back from a decades-long slumber. Right, because we're, the way you describe Elektra, is, it's almost that she's not human. She, she really does come across as superhuman with these uh, the, the high pain tolerance. Well, I mean, there are people that have high pain tolerance, but just the things, that, the abilities that she has are, almost sound beyond what Batman has. And so that's Crazy, why I was huh? asking if, like, when she was resurrected by the hand, did she have all these superhero, superhuman abilities that she did oh, not have before? We will talk about some of her later coming superhuman abilities in my point number three. Okay. The, so here's- the, sword, the sword definitely gives Al Ghul reach in this fight, but uh, Electra has proven time and time again that she can throw her size with deadly accuracy and she can bounce them off walls and things like that so no absolutely absolutely true all right this is cool i like where this battle is going because i think i got something that's gonna work but we'll see about that ray hit us with your point number three 
Point number three for Electra. I want to talk a little bit about the extra power that she had and some of the big wins that she's had. Uh, and I challenge James to show me some one-on-one -on -one wins that match up with these. First off, big thing that Electra does is stealth. She's very, very good at hiding in shadows. You know, she can backstab and hide in shadows and then reappear and hit you from behind like she was a thief class in Dungeons and Dragons. That backstab does extra damage and it doesn't need to do that much extra damage to bring down a human like Ra's al Ghul. In fact, when she was trying to hide and be stealthy, Daredevil, Daredevil could not find her in the room. This is a man with echolocation. This is a man who I saw drive a car and then through using his ability to hear could identify a problem with the engine while he was driving it. He could not find Electra in the room. She is that skilled. Now, she also has developed a certain amount of mind powers as she has gone on as a character. She can go into when she's fighting a meditative state and that clears her mind. Whenever somebody is fighting her, she's able to take out emotion. She's able to take out any kind of psychic prowess and she can fight with a clear mind in a meditative state where one move follows the next. She leans back on her training if she thinks she needs to in order to work her way through a battle without really having to think too hard about it. Her natural skills are that strong. She also cannot be hypnotized. She once had a psychic attack from famed mutant Jean Grey, pretty big deal, eventually became Dark Phoenix. She was able to shield her brain from that type of psychic attack. So she has mental defenses in case Ra's al Ghul tries any mesmerism, tries any of that stuff, she's way ahead of it because she can enter people's minds. She can enter people's minds and take over those minds. Now, one could argue, as I'm sure James will, that it happens to kind of lower level thugs, uh, security, guardsmen, presidents, that kind of a thing, people with a lower acumen, but she could absolutely do it against people with higher as well, maybe just not to the level of making them walk off the battlefield to win, but she can mesmerize people to make them think things she wants them to think, and she can make them see illusions as if she was the scarecrow with the fear gas. She can create illusions in their mind that they will fight as if they are real, and I do believe that is something that would work against a character even as powerful as Ra's al Ghul. And let's talk about the wins. This is somebody again. She doesn't just fight one-on-one. -on -one. She defeats entire clans of highly trained ninjas at the same time. She walks into a room and decimates the room. That's who Elektra is. This is no different than that. And let's face it, the League of Assassins, very powerful. Electra would mop through all of them with no effort whatsoever. Characters that she's beaten. Here we go in one-on-one -on -one combat. We'll start with the easies. Blizzard, Crossbones, who you might know. Whiplash, Shocker, who once defeated Green Arrow by himself on the Who Would Win show. Boomerang and Tiger Shark. That's the lower level. Then she stepped it up. She defeated the Silver Samurai. Great fighter with a sword. Lady Bullseye great marksman. And she also has defeated multiple super scrolls, which are very powerful scrolls with advanced vitals who can ape the powers of Marvel characters. Yeah, that's how we do it. Let's go ahead and take it a step further. In one-on-one -on -one combat, she beat the Taskmaster. This is a guy who can fight in any style that he wants. He's sort of similar to the Deathstroke of his own uh, comic line, and she was able to defeat him. Might point out, Deathstroke has defeated Ra's al Ghul in the very few times that they fought. She also came back and wrecked Bullseye a bunch of times, but that was personal. She's also beaten in fights Wolverine, 
Wolverine, great healing factor, great vitals. I would argue Wolverine, better fighter than Ray Al Ghul even. He has more going for him. She's got wins over him. And my favorite, she defeated a Super Skrull with the powers of Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. His powers, she took him down. And my other favorite, she doesn't fight Daredevil very often. In fact, she fought him three times over three decades of comics, and she won every single time. If you can beat Daredevil every single time you face him, you can beat Ray Al Ghul in a one-on-one -on -one battle, and that's my point number three. Spewing some real lies is truth, Race to Kana style. I almost love hearing it, but it's uh, it's unfortunate I gotta do what I gotta do. Now, first of all, Daredevil has actually a couple of wins that I actually recall over Elektra. It doesn't take away from Elektra's wins over Daredevil, by the way. Just putting that out there. On top of everything, let's talk stealth. Yeah, I actually do think they have different levels of strength, uh, stealth, because Ra's al Ghul taught stealth to the League of Assassins. He taught the instructors how to teach stealth. He is so good at being stealthy that he pulled a Batman, you know, disappearing maneuver where they disappear out of nowhere. He pulled that on Batman. So in terms of stealth, I'm going to go Ra's al Ghul, no offense, Electra. On top of that, in terms of physicals, I actually say they're kind of even. You know, maybe she's more agile and maybe Ra's is a bit stronger, but overall, I kind of think physically they're fairly even, which is kind of cool. Listen, Martian Manhunter couldn't take over Ra's al Ghul's mind, so I really don't think someone who's got lower level telepathic abilities or mind warping where you make them see illusions or whatever is going to work on someone like Rachel Ghul, who's been training for centuries on being protective and developing defenses against telepathic attacks and the super scroll is ghost rider that's cool it wasn't really the ghost rider with all of the really cool religious powers it was someone who was mimicking a lot maybe some strength or what have you wasn't the ghost rider who's almost like one of the most powerful beings in the marvel universe now let's just go to my point number three and my point number three i'm going to start with some weaknesses of Electra. now she doesn't really have a lot but she does have some that rachel is going to take advantage of that now first of all she's got no real defense to magic that is a problem again rachel ghoul has used his magic in fights, in the middle of fights, with the necromancy, with using uh, you know spells or what have you. He did it to Batman in a fight to erase his memories. And all of a sudden, he's like, what the heck am I doing? He can end a fight in so many different ways, whether it's magic or using his physicals or whatever it's going to be happening in that, in that way. On top of that, she's really unfortunately susceptible to being manipulated psychologically and spiritually. That's what happened to her in the, uh, you know, the Assassin's Guild called The Hand. And it's important to keep in mind because she was a member of these assassin groups, whereas Rachel Gould founded these groups. He knows all about psychological manipulation. Now, is it going to completely put her under his psychological manipulative type of spell? No. But is it going to maybe distract her, create an opening or do something? Yes. This is someone who's mastered these tactics for years. Now, in terms of battles and all that kind of good stuff, just to kind of go back to that, Rachel Ghoul fought Vandal Savage. This is the immortal who's one of the Illuminati trying to take over the Earth, that 50,000-year-old being. He's fought superpowered beings in his past, but his story really focuses on what he's doing with Batman in the future because that's what he likes to do. In terms of manipulation with Rachel Ghoul, you got to remember this is someone on the spot with no preparation who can manipulate Batman and he's done it on several occasions to make him go in certain directions or miss what he's doing. He's done the same thing to Superman on the spot as well. You know, got kind of a really cool win over Superman by manipulating him psychologically, causing Superman to go to a different area. That is a pretty cool way to get the win. If you do it to Batman and Superman, I think you got a good chance of doing that to Elektra. Now, the last thing, and this is really cool, she's been, and it's kind of unfortunate, she has been poisoned 
on several occasions in recent storylines where she didn't know she was poisoned until it was too late. This happened in a really cool uh, series. It was a character named Typhoid. It's Typhoid. She Her powers are not like, hey, I'm going to put toxins or poisons. It's Typhoid because I'm a really good assassin. And she actually beat Electra. They started a fight, and then she, in the beginning of the fight, distracted Electra somehow and planted this poison or toxin on her. And when it was, before it was too late, Electra then found like, hey, I'm moving slower. What's going on? Oh, no, I realize I've been poisoned, but it's too late to do anything now. And Typhoid got the win over Electra that way. Let's talk about big wins that Rachel Ghoul has right now. Now, again, again, he's focusing on the Bat family. That's his whole deal. And he doesn't want to kill all the members of the Bat family because he sees Batman as a possible great asset to his family, to his league, to what he's trying to accomplish in the world. It's this really weird cat and mouse thing he's got with him. But in terms of big wins, he beat as that's Azrael. He's got a super cool story. He's got enhanced physicals. He took over Bat for Batman when Bane broke his back. And of course, he beat him with one punch. He beat Bane, as in a one-on-one amped up on Venom Bane. He beat Bane. That's incredible. That's crazy. He beat Deathstroke. Now, Deathstroke is the preeminent assassin in the DC universe. This is Deathstroke, who's stronger, he's more powerful, had better weapons. You know, Deathstroke with the healing factor, super soldier serum, enhances his superhuman physicals, the insane sword that can cut through almost anything, the armor, and yeah. Rachel Ghoul beat him in an actual fight. I mentioned this earlier in a fight against Wonder Woman where they're dueling. He had two swords. She had a sword and a shield. This is Wonder Woman who's like the best warrior in DC Comics by far. He disarmed her. He disarmed Wonder Woman in a sword fight. Wonder Woman, one of the most powerful beings in the DC Universe. A speedster, all of that, and he disarmed her and actually cut her and cut her hand wide open. It was really, really crazy. Oh, he's beaten Nightwing. He's beaten all the Robins. He's just done that too. And as you know, I was going to go there. He's at least has three, probably more, but at least three decisive wins over Batman. Three decisive wins over Batman. Let's just set that settle for a second. So here's how this fight's going to go down. They're going to face off. It's an epic battle, of course. And it's immediately sword versus size. And Electra puts on a devastating display of side mastery. It's awesome. Raish is impressed. He's rarely seen this such you know, proficiency and a killer instinct. It reminds him of... His daughter, Talia Al Ghul, another badass with weapons and trained assassin from the DC universe. Ray smiles and just like he did to Wonder Woman, disarms Elektra and cuts her with a deep slash. Elektra quickly realizes she's dealing with more than a typical fighting master, taps into her supernatural abilities, goes in that meditative state, does all this cool stuff. And all this stuff is awesome and also gets easily countered by Ray's own supernatural abilities stemming from his hundreds of years of experience. She tries to switch minds with them, has countered his, you know, but gets Gets countered. You know, Rachel Ghoul can switch souls, which he might do, but he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that after all. And that's also countered by his magical abilities, powerful mind. He's that necromancer and pulls up dead animals. He's not going to do that. That's just horrible. Now, with no choice left, she changes, she charges him and goes full out with her insanely deadly hand to hand fighting cell. That's, of course, served her so well in the past. And that's when she notices it. Rachel Ghoul is countering everything she does while hitting her back with devastating blows. How can he do this? Does he have super speed, super strength? And that's when she realizes. She's the one who's moving slower and slower and slower. Seems Rachel Ghoul hit Electra with a poison, that paralytic poison, at the beginning of the fight without her noticing. A poison he carries on him at all times. And as she slowly slips in unconsciousness from both the poison and the devastating blows from Rachel Ghoul, she thinks to herself, this isn't over. And that's when Rachel Ghoul realizes, you know what? You know who I need in my league? 
I need an Electra. And the story continues. That's just one way how Electra's going to lose. That's why Rachel Ghoul wins. And that's my point number three. I mean, look, in order, the entire idea that Rachel Ghoul would land a hit on Electra like that would be he'd have to give up a hit of his own. Am I correct? That seems like a very likely scenario here, given how much prowess we're talking about fighting. The thing is, if he hits Electra with poison, three minutes later, she might start feeling slower. If he lets her get one hit on him, he's dead or a nerve strike has dropped him immediately ending the battle and that's the difference between these two and you talk about Deathstroke in their battles I didn't see any point where I believe you but I didn't see any point where Deathstroke lost to Ra's al Ghul but I went to the animated feature Batman Son of Batman where Deathstroke killed Ra's al Ghul or the comic book series Batman Shadow War where Deathstroke killed Ra's al Ghul and I just don't even see what you're talking about. Deathstroke is more than a match for that character nine times out of ten. And you talked about how he gave stealth to the League of Assassins. What happens when the ninjas from League of Assassins try to attack Batman, any member of the Bat family? They see them coming a mile away. How good is this stealth against people who have a clue? The answer is not very good at all. They might as well be like the ninjas from the Tick who uh, comic book series who are just holding up leaves in front of themselves, pretending to be a tree and you talked about Superman and mental stuff yes Superman is weak to psionic attacks we know this James that's not a big deal and the last thing to mention the poison she fights very very well as I've already pointed out with a shattered skull you think a little bit of poison will slow her down with death on the line much like the princess bride you never never challenge Electra with death on the line now what's really going to happen here is they are going to fight the prowess and skill is going to be great the problem is is Ra's al Ghul's only fought people that he's trained he's only fought people that he's known for decades when he gets a true master of ninjutsu like Electra she's going to find a spot she's going to temper back she's going to fight him holding back a little bit until that one moment when she needs to strike she'll find the opportunity she'll then hit with faster than the eye can see speed with a nerve strike and or a stab that Ra's al Ghul will not be ready for with the strength that he also will not be ready for. He will underestimate her, and that will be his downfall. I'll have whatever he's having, is what someone would say after listening to Ray Sicanus. Now, Jordan, listen, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process, tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Electra and Ra's al Ghul. Oh, well, it's 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 close one. It's uh, you've you've both done such a great job outlining their strengths and their uh, weaknesses. Well, they don't really have many weaknesses. Uh, but, James, I'm glad you brought up the fact Raish will see his own daughter, Talia, in Electra, because I, I had that written written down in my little notebook here. I think he's going to be pretty impressed. He might even say his famous line. But if you make yourself more than just a woman, if you devote yourself to an ideal and if they can't stop you, then you become something else entirely. So I think they're going to fight, and I think that she will be disarmed. And I do think that he has pulled his punches against Batman, because he doesn't want to kill him. He wants him to take over the League uh, and marry Talia. And I also think that maybe uh, Daredevil was holding his punches uh, when fighting Elektra. But they're both extremely talented fighters, martial artists. But if Raish isn't coming straight out of the Lazarus pit, then I think he shows his age, which is 700 plus years. And that experience, that, that many years is only going to get you so far if you're, if you're only training 
the same style of assassins and you're not you know <laughs> branching out and you're not you know fighting people from the multiverse which can um take you by surprise and let's not forget that uh Raish has lost fights to people that i think electra could easily beat in one-on-one I, I i do think that she's not going to be totally unharmed by this she might even lose a hand to be honest with you but she she has experienced pain before as as ray you've pointed out many times so she's going to suffer through that pain and then strike that deadly blow ladies and gentlemen boys and girls the winner of tonight's battle electra for the kill you know just give me a second i'm canceling my uh, cameo order for beetlejuice real quick <laughs> sorry, no James. here's the thing here's the thing i love your logic and i love the fact i gotta respect your decision because uh i don't by the way but i gotta respect your decision because you actually brought a lot of great points you're thinking of strategy and what have you however you i don't know where you were for this fight but i was hoping you were here the magic that that rachel ghoul can do and pull out the fact that he's been what fighting the same people for 700 years who lives for 700 years he's been fighting everyone plus three fights over wins over batman Really? In that all, anyway, all I'm trying to say is I respect your decision. I 100% completely disagree with it, but I really like how you made your decision. I'm not going to lie. That was cool. It was entertaining. It was fun. And even though I lost, I was smiling the whole time listening to what you had to say. So there is that. Thank that you. was pretty cool. All right, Ray Sicanus, congratulations. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel about today's matchup. You're just talking nonsense right now. What I will say right now is I think there is a strong comparison to Talia al Ghul, but I do believe that Electra it would win in a fight with Talia al Ghul. And Talia al Ghul has beaten all of the people, uh, Batman, repeatedly. Deathstroke. Talia al Ghul has all those wins. So why wouldn't I think the premium version, as opposed to the one I bought on Timu, Talia al Ghul, would win the fight against those same characters, the ones that give Race al Ghul so much trouble? Jordan, I like it when a judge listens. I like it when a judge hears what is being said. I absolutely agree. Electra was the only choice in this battle. I am great. Jordan, this is now I'm going to ask you a question. So you hear what Ray is saying. How do you feel with the judgment you just made? You know, it was it was pretty close throughout. Like I said, it, it wasn't Electra didn't start gaining the edge for me in the fight until the end of round two. But I just from from what I know of Ray, she he has been defeated more often in one on one combat than Electra has. And I think that her fighting style, even though she's a ninja, just like the, the League of Assassins, I just think that she's going to bring a level of fighting that is going to throw him off. He, he, hasn't, he's, he has maybe seen aspects of that, you know, like playing in the, fighting in the shadows and whatnot. He's going to be caught off guard by her. And I think I, I, I think I agree he's, with that. he's going, with that. and she's going to play to that. They're like, oh yeah, and I think he maybe he has he pauses, thinking, oh, I really want I want to recruit her, just like he wants to recruit Batman, and and that's when and maybe she's even playing possum, you know, maybe she's even playing dead, and then just I, boom, just like that. I would 
I would argue, Jordan, that uh, James played too heavy on the magic angle, but Ra's al Ghul hasn't used a lot of magic in his one-on-one -on -one battles. That's more of a thing he does in the storyline before the battles even happen in order to set up a certain set of events to unfold. And it often requires a lot of prior knowledge. Therefore, magic, what James leaned on to try to get this win, wasn't really going to play a big factor when it came for the decision. Jordan Monsell... I don't want to say it out loud. I'll say it out loud. Judge of the year, 2023. Uh, it might've just happened. It might've just happened Canis, to everybody. You know the research I do. Yes, he has used magic in the middle of a fight with no prep, what have you. Would have loved to hear uh, about it. We but got three points and I had to use a lot of my focus to uh, shut down your nonsense that you spouted today. Now, listen, Jordan, here's the deal. I love judges that yeah. just kind of come for it and they take a stand, even if it's wrong and say, no, this is what I believe. I respect that. So I want you. I'm going to invite you, not anyone else, not the Hoodwin production team. I want you back on here because I want to get a win under Jordan Mansell as a judge. That's just something I now want that. I want all the Batman Adventures comic books. I just told you that before the show. And I also want to win from Jordan Mansell as a judge. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, in the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience. Got a wish list there. That's right. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. Uh, well, I am on Instagram as uh, J Monsell. So just uh, J is in Jordan and then my last name, M O N S E L L. And um, yeah, I'm also on Etsy and a couple of other things. If you just uh, search my name, it should come up. Very cool. All right, Ray Sicanas, tell our listeners where they can find you. Of course, I'm excited about this outcome. I was a little disappointed to lose a Toon Force battle last week. I thought Freakazoid brought better arguments to the table. I do think he would have trapped Apocalypse in the internet for more than two minutes. The judge saw it a different way, and I'm going to have to learn to live with that. But of course, I will not. This was a redemption battle for Electra. Lest we forget, James represented her the first time against a superior uh, combatant in Ryu. And of course, myself and Ryu took her to task, of course, from Street Fighter. That's what I'm referring to. I'm happy to put Electra in the winner's circle and do something once again that James was unable to do despite his best efforts. And I do believe that James brought his best effort to the show today in his repping of Ray Al Ghul. And the fact that I so thoroughly dominated him shows you what our efforts equal when I'm doing great and James is doing great. Much like Pepsi Max and RC Cola, there's a big downgrade when both are operating at their peak performance. You can find me on threads at almightyray316. Twitter is a dead app. It's X. It's useless. He doesn't even own the rights to it. What's happening over there? Find me on threads at almightyray316. Thanks for reminding me. I totally forgot. If uh, you guys want to find out how Comic-Con went for me, because I was just at San Diego Comic-Con, which was amazing, I actually had an interview with Al Mega from Comic Crusaders. That'll be up hopefully later this week on, just look up Comic Crusaders on YouTube, check it out, and I'm going to give you the lowdown, the real lowdown of what happened at Comic-Con, and was Hollywood really missed at Comic-Con? Find out when you see me do that interview. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by, or sorry, X, whatever it's called now, by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Hoodwin Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Hoodwin production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time.
Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts.